Hi there. Welcome to episode 41 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I'm super thrilled that you're here with me, with me and my mystery guest, my fabulous mystery guest, today on The Playground. And before we start our career chat, I wanted to invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. I love to connect on Instagram or, you know, on LinkedIn or Facebook, all those kinds of things. And in the doghouse today, we are highlighting the wonderful people at Paws Across the Water, a fantastic organization, rescue organization, and they have beautiful dogs for adoption. And today I wanted to just highlight a black Labrador retriever named Chencha. She's eight years old and uh, she's described as so gentle and sweet. She's in Toronto. And this is her foster says about her. Chencha is a lovely, lovely being. She's perfect. She is patient and low-key, but also expressive and enthusiastic. She greets everyone like they're special. And you can go to pauseacrossthewater.com for more information. You can see for yourself. She's absolutely delicious. So, speaking of delicious, I'm thrilled to welcome uh, my my literally fabulous mystery guest onto the playground today. He's a beautiful human being, and his name is Camille Kamanzi, and uh, you will see for yourself, he's a very inspiring person. Welcome, Camille Kamanzi. It is so nice to have you join me, join us on the playground today. And as the regular listener knows, I like to kind of give context. So I'm going to say that we met at OCSO because OCSO is a hotbed of fantastic people. And Camille's the executive director at Burundi We Want. And his about section on LinkedIn says, I'm a dedicated chief executive officer with a strong background in nonprofit organization management. I have a genuine passion for creating a positive impact in my community. With my expertise in research, teamwork, and effective public speaking, I'm wholeheartedly committed to working alongside others to bring about meaningful change. My bachelor's degree in social science from the University of Ottawa equips me with the skills to develop social enterprises that benefit our community. Let's connect and explore how we can collaborate to make a significant difference. So this is Camille, and he's lovely, and you will see that. Camille, welcome. Thank you so much for the warm uh, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and so we're going to go right back into it. I'm a career development professional. I love talking careers, and I love talking about kind of where it all started. Mm -hmm. So please tell us, where did you grow up? And what was high school like for you? I grew up uh, in Burundi, but when I was born, uh, just shortly after, uh, I 
I believe two or three years, my family moved to France. Uh, so we lived in France for about maybe four years. And then we moved back to Burundi. Again, Burundi is a beautiful country located in East Africa. I believe the smallest country in East Africa. So I grew up there and did my primary school there. Um, also did my high school up until grade 10, I believe, 9 or 10. And then what? When I was in grade 10, just to give maybe like the, the context of Burundi and back in, the, in that time. So we had a rebel group uh, that was trying to uh, take over Burundi and, and they have been trying to take over the country uh, for about maybe eight years. And my dad was in the military, meaning that he's, he had been fighting the rebel group uh, for all that time. But what happened in 2000 is that they had a peace agreement. Mm-hmm. And during that time, uh, the, the agreement was that they were going to give the power to the rebel group to lead the country. So which, again, changed the dynamics of everything. And my dad found himself uh, in jail when the, that happened. He was tortured. And a- again, this is just it was done again unjustly just because, again, he had been fighting with them. <laughs> Makes sense uh, all that yeah. time. And then when they took power, they were like, OK, so we know the people that we fought oh. against. So <laughs> we're going to just you know have our revenge on them so uh, unfortunately my dad was on the list so we had to flee because again we're not safe uh, in Burundi so this is around 2006 so we fled Burundi we me and my two siblings so I have an older brother and a younger brother I was around I was still in grade uh, so again nine so we uh, fled to Kenya Nairobi where we lived for three years but because again we're refugees uh, me my mom and my two siblings also, life changed because, again, uh, we grew up very, um, I would say, comfortable. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. My dad was a uh, military attaché, so we got to travel, we got to live abroad, we came back, we will come back to Burundi. Uh, even when we, uh, we lived in Burundi, we also moved uh, around. But we, So we had a comfortable life, but again, everything changed once uh, my dad wa- was sent to jail. So when we went to live in Kenya, we were refugees. Uh, all of a sudden, me, my two siblings, my mom, and we, that's what we actually did the, the whole process of um, relocating to Canada. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. That. <laughs> that's that's heavy. That's heavy. You know yeah. what? My my first question, if, it feels so ridiculous now. My first question was, is Burundi landlocked or is it by the water? It's by the water. By the water, we have uh, Lake Tanganyika. Uh, which mm-hmm. I believe is the second largest uh, lake in the world. Uh, very beautiful. Um, yeah, if anyone has a chance to go to Burundi, please, you need to visit Lake uh, Tanganyika. You know, I I spent a couple of years in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. Oh, nice. <laughs> so m- many more years, like many years before. That's my connection to, to oh, Africa. Amazing, so amazing. I can... <laughs> I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And like literally, geographically, I'm just a little bit what the British people would say gobsmacked at the fact that this this happened to you and your family. And I have questions. So Mm -hmm. what was it? First of all, did you move into like a refugee camp? Uh, no, we stayed in Nairobi. But, but the funny thing behind that, uh, for not going into the refugee camp, is that the, the people in Burundi that told us to uh, move to Kenya, 
uh, for our safety and to do the settlement process, uh, actually told us that it was going to take only two weeks. <laughs> so when we left Burundi, we only took about maybe like two or three shirts each, one pair of shoes, just thinking that we're going to stay in Nairobi for two weeks. But when we got to Nairobi, <laughs> I believe we got there around December, January of uh, 2006, 2007. And the first appointment was, um, I believe, was after seven months. I, I know later on, we, uh, there, were, there were discussions of us maybe going to the refugee camp that would make the whole process faster. But we learned about the living conditions of people uh, uh, who lived uh, in refugee camps. And fortunately enough, we, we still had uh, a few coins left um, for just rent money. And we were lucky enough to now move into the into the refugee camp. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. The idea of anything in the world taking two weeks is just, <laughs> you know, no, nothing ever happens in the world for like less than two weeks, for goodness sake. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. And so my next question is, did you know that you were going to be coming to Canada? And second part, did you want to come to Canada? Okay, thank you so much for the question. Uh, the f uh, first part, uh, we didn't know we we're going to be sent to Canada because our first application was for the United States. And that took about two years, so from 06 to 08. But what ended, ha ended up happening, because everything was going well. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, yes, it took longer, but it was going well. But what happened in uh, 2008, uh, my mom uh, fell sick, very, very sick. And we had our last interview, I believe, uh, somewhere in July. But when she was being uh, uh, interviewed, she couldn't even like, remember most of the key things in, in our application process. For instance, they, I remember they asked her about my brother's uh, date of birth, and she gave gave a wrong date of birth so for them they were just like okay maybe she's lying <laughs> uh, oh. they didn't really go um, uh, further as to be like okay yeah we can see that she's actually sick she's not she's not um, able to answer her date of birth correctly the, the, her son's date of birth correctly so what, what ended up happening uh, was that they actually declined us they actually denied us settlement uh, to, to the United States we got the answer around December of 2008 I believe December 10th but unfortunately my mother passed away two weeks later uh, on Christmas uh -huh. Eve of 2008 uh, so we, when she when we got the answer, she was in the hospital. So we couldn't tell her that <laughs> the process ha had been denied <laughs> because we're like, no. uh, not only she's fighting for her life, she can't really handle the fact that the settlement has been uh, denied. Uh, so we're like, okay, let's just wait until Christmas is over and, and New Year's, and then maybe then maybe we can tell her. Yeah. So we never got a chance to tell her. <laughs> but post uh, her death, we had to start again the the, the whole process. That's when we actually. We actually told we were given a belief uh two three countries uh, i think there was belgium if i'm not mistaken and other countries but then we had friends here who lived in ottawa uh we're like mm. uh, how about uh, maybe we try canada we, we've we've heard it's the coldest place in the world mm -hmm. but we just give it a try and see so we did only one interview i believe uh for canada i, I believe I, I remember we just went into the interview room this is um again uh it was around six months after my mom's uh, passing and the guy just looked at us because we're just pretty much exhausted by the whole thing of yeah. us having to do interviews over over again and the guy just he he, he didn't even ask us uh, one or two questions 
I think he only asked us one question, like, why do you guys choose Canada? And we pretty much explained why. And he just gave us the answer right away. He we were approved and we came here in the month of, uh, of October. My goodness. Yeah. And so there's the, the three boys, right? Yes. So how old are, are you at this time? Are the um, um, uh, the, the oldest was 17. Uh, I was 16. And the youngest was around uh, 13, 14. My goodness. Yeah. So we kind of very, very young. <laughs> so did you all come to Ottawa? Uh, yeah, we all moved here at the same time. Yeah. And what happened with your dad? Uh, so my dad was later on uh, released uh, when we were still in Nairobi. And he's kind of stayed uh, in uh, in Burundi. Okay. He was not just interested in relocating uh, to Canada with us. <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah. it just feels like all my questions are so basic. You've lived a life. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I, I, I tried to like rehearse uh, before the, the podcast, but because this is, I, I would say, the first time I've actually talked about my life. Uh, and this is also my first time being a, a guest on a podcast. So it was kind of hard for me to be like, how can I not, not make this whole thing heavy? <laughs> how can I make this light as much as I can? <laughs> but and that, there's no there's no way. <laughs> Well, and, and that's, that's the thing, like, that's yeah. the, the whole idea about the playground mm-hmm. is that it's a good place for people to share. And it's a, mm-hmm. a place for people that maybe don't have the opportunity to interact with newcomers to Canada to help them understand that everybody's got a really special story. And there's a reason that we're all here and that we're all more similar than we are different. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I what I really want to kind of showcase and inspire people by sharing journeys, right? Because there's a lot of people that when they think of refugee, they think of a soundbite on mm. on the news. But to hear somebody talking about it and and speaking how it impacted them and what was going on in their lives in their lives at that time, you make it real, you know? Yeah. Yes. So the the last question was, what was high school like for you? <laughs> but obviously, you know, I think of Maslow's, you know, pyramid of of needs, or his, mm-hmm. what, and and when all of this is happening in your life, that's the foundation of everything. So self actualization and all of that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know, as, as quickly or at all. Mm-hmm. So where did you graduate from high school? Here in uh, in Ottawa, uh, in Vanier, uh, there's a, a school called uh, Alternative uh, High School, mm-hmm. uh, a French school. Uh, so I, I did my grade 12 uh, there and then just it took me about 10 months to just finish uh, high school. So when you finished it, mm-hmm. did you know what you were going to do afterwards? Oh, no clue. I had no clue. Uh, first of all, because I was still new here and I had so many options at once and it was just uh, overwhelming uh, to just like pick one. But I just I had a love for uh, storytelling since I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to be a journalist when I was a kid. And when I got here, I was like, okay, maybe, uh, just maybe I can go into movies and just like produce uh, movies and, and tell stories, uh, mm. which had been a passion of mine since I was a kid. So I went to Ottawa U and I did communication. 
in the hopes of me uh, actually just like one day, maybe like in the future to produce movies or, or, or write uh, movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And? Which I did for two years, but then did an internship, I, I believe was at Rogers. And then I also had an internship at a radio station just to kind of see if I lacked the environment, the act of actually producing and, and writing and, and stuff, which I did for about two years. But then there was nothing, it was just, it just didn't click. I, I tried my best, but then I was like, I'm miserable. <laughs> so mm. I just need to take time and find what I actually like and do what I actually love to do. And funny enough, a lot of people started coming from Burundi back then. Uh, and I had only been here for about two, three years. And those newcomers did have basic things like winter clothing, um, like furnitures. So I was like, maybe I can start one initiative that can help uh, those newcomers to maybe just like get um, winter clothing or maybe like furnitures. And then I, I made a pamphlet, found the name. I, I forgot the name of that initiative, <laughs> but I went to every shelter in Ottawa to let people know if you if there's any newcomer from Burundi to give them a number. I, I can help them uh, fi- uh, find uh, winter clothing and also furnitures. So I got so many calls of people that, ha- that wanted to donate stuff. And I actually, I was like, I think this is the time where I actually need the storage. Uh, and I didn't have money because I was still again in, 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 in university. I didn't have money to rent storage that was my income was very low but, uh, at that time uh, so i ended up just getting many calls to don- for, for donations and they have the capacity now that i have a car which means i have uh, uh, a way to go pick up the the, the stuff and the people that wanted to help i i, I couldn't actually um, get a car to go drop off the the, the stuff so um it just it fell through um, um maybe like within the ne- first 12 months so question mm-hmm. it specifically was only for burundians or could other people from other countries access this i had originally intended this to be only for people from Burundi. Uh, why? I really don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but then I also got calls from other people. Like my donations were just coming from all the place and the people that wanted to get the services were also from, um, I, I would say, all, um, all over the place as well. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so how were you able to create? I mean, the next question is this. Mm-hmm. How have you pivoted in your life? So go ahead, Camille, please share with us how Burundi We Want actually became a real thing. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, knowing my background, uh, so I, I, I had uh, after school, I would just listen to news, uh, the news from Burundi. And, uh, and I believe back then we became officially the poorest country in the world. It just ate me alive, to be honest, because I was like, um, I know what I went through, the injustice that my family went through. Like, I would not wish any other person to actually go through the same thing. So I was like, in my mind, I was like, we need uh, people from the diaspora, uh, me who's here in Canada. Yes, I can uh, if be involved in Canada and, and, and become a citizen here and give back. Because again, Canada gave me my life, gave me everything. Um, and I'll be, I'll forever be gr- uh, grateful. Uh, this is, this is my, my new homeland. Uh, but also at the same time, I had a belief that we can also influence, influence things back home as well. So meaning uh, we can also influence development back in Burundi. But I didn't know 
in what way or in what shape that, that was going to be. But uh, late 2013, I was on YouTube uh, and there was this um, summit that was happening. It was by the African Union and they were just explaining the vision that they had for Africa and they called it uh, the Africa we want. Uh, mm-hmm. Africa we want by 2063. They were saying, okay, we need to invest in education. We need to invest in employment, youth employment. Um, African uh, population is comprised of, of young people under 20 I was like, okay, that's Burundi because Burundi also uh, the population um, around 80% is comprised of, of people under 25. I was like, okay, mm. so we need to do something that's, that involves the youth. So I, I was like, okay, how about just work on my country? And then I just came up with the name Burundi We Want by 2063 uh, with the goal in mind to invest in education, uh, to invest in the youth, to drive economic growth by 2063. So starting Burundi Want back in 2014, my idea was to empower people here in Canada who have established themselves here to convince them to actually also not only give back in Canada, but also give back in Burundi. Mm, Was that a tough sell? It was a tough sell because by the time we launched the whole uh, project, which was May, sorry, which was March 7th of 2015, I believe not even 30 days um, later, Burundi just went back into political instability, just be- mm-hmm. went on a whole other level. Close to 1 million people fled uh, Burundi in 2015. Uh, my dad as well left, uh, fled Burundi. He's currently still a refugee in Rwanda. Uh, so he's mm-hmm. been a refugee for the past eight years. So a lot of families or people fled Burundi for, uh, uh, for tw- uh, since 2015, which was a tough sell in the sense that there's no way for me to tell people to go <laughs> invest in a country where people are actually trying to leave. So that was just hard uh, at the wrong time. So we had to actually pivot and find ways because also Ottawa welcomed close to 5,000 newcomers from Burundi only. And in 2020, we're roughly, we made it to the top five of countries that were welcomed by Ottawa. So we were like, so we have people here who need services. What can we do to not only to help people who are coming from Burundi, but are fleeing from Burundi coming to Ottawa, which gave birth to Burundi Want uh, here in Ottawa as a not-for-profit who, which provides services to newcomers and also to uh, mentorship to young Burundians as well. And so I'm wondering, how did the epidemic, the pandemic, affect your organization and the people that were using your services? Uh, we're very much impacted in the sense that we had to shut down for three years, meaning that we were not able to provide services to people. As uh, and, and I believe it's not only us, and I believe that, it, that every not for profit was impacted by mm-hmm. COVID. So we had to close our doors, try to like give services online, which uh, was a huge fail because our clientele is not something that they were used to. It kind of slowed everything down, and also it came at, at a wrong timing in the sense that we received our first funding in 2020. So we were just excited to be able to do all these uh, all these amazing stuff in the community, host events, workshops, uh, gather people are, uh, together because we had, we had been functioning for five years with no funding, just paying everything mm-hmm. out of pocket. So we're paying our office out of pocket. We, people um, in the organization were mostly volunteers. So it, just, it was just uh, a big uh, disappointment. And also, <laughs> right after COVID, we, we lost the funding too. So we had to go back to oh. pretty much paying everything um, out of pocket because we're not able to prove that we did everything that we're supposed to, to do, again, due to, due to COVID. 
Wow. So let's say I'm a new person from Burundi. Mm-hmm. I've arrived in Ottawa. How do I find out about you and your organization? It's mainly uh, word to, to mouth because our community, again, is big on um, referencing the, the, the services. But also, we're also out there. I would say we visit shelters as much as we can. And also we have a WhatsApp group. Uh, it was a group for only newcomers, which is called uh, Info Ottawa. So pretty much many, I would say every every person who gets here, they get added into that group by a friend or a cousin or a family member, uh, etc. Hmm. So is this Info Ottawa, is that strictly uh, for Burundi we want or is that for anybody who's coming, any newcomer that comes to Ottawa is is hearing about this Info Ottawa? Oh, this E4 Ottawa is uh, is a, just a group for uh, uh, only Burundians um, who are mm-hmm. coming to Ottawa. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And just so that the listener might not know about the history of Burundi, it was colonized by the French, right? Uh, by Belgium. Oh, by yeah. Belgium. Yeah, uh, Belgium, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to the French. I shouldn't have. <laughs> so, okay. Then question for you. If it was colonized by Belgium, do people speak Flemish as well? Or is it just French? Uh, it's it's only French. It's only French. Okay. That's a pretty big pivot. You, you've made some pretty important pivots in your life. Very much so, I'll say. <laughs> so here's a question, not on the list of questions that I asked you. What do you think is the next pivot for you? That is a good question. My, my next pivot, I'm trying to see if I can actually uh, go work on the continent and actually start Burundi We Want in Burundi and live in between Canada and Burundi. So I'm hoping that's something that's going to will work out for me. <laughs> so maybe Canada in the summer and Burundi in, you know, the Canadian exactly. frosty, horrible winters. Be out of here by December 1st and be back by May 15th. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like it. I like that a lot. So what brings you joy? Helping people brings me joy. Mm. Just helping someone just puts a smile on my face and... I, I re- it's a feeling I cannot explain, but it just brings me so much joy and, and peace just knowing that I actually changed someone's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> down, Camille. I get it. Uh, funny enough, uh, just to, mm. uh, funny enough, it's just my, my brother, because uh, every end of the month, I would just send so much money in Africa just to help just pretty much anyone. <laughs> and I'll just end up being broke. He'd just be like, why? <laughs> Can't you just save your money? <laughs> but then just knowing that I was changing people's lives, it would just give me just joy that that the money would, uh, would not give me at the end of the month. Yep. I, I also understand this and I really get it. I'm like, I get it because <laughs> this is what the blue people operate from. That's why nonprofit organizations are very much staffed by blue people because we're not out there to make a lot of money we're out there to make change in the world that makes so much sense and and it actually just changed my life in a sense that that's a that's a thing that i I, I could not explain before uh because i did work for five whole years without getting paid and it was just okay at the end of the day because i was just doing something that i loved and now you breaking it down for me it just makes so much sense (laughs) so the question i have And you can answer this at any age you want. What advice would you give your younger self? I would tell my younger self to just breathe and relax Mm. and to know that everything's going to be okay. Because again, going through what I had to go through again, I I was just just in a constant state of uh, anxiety 
because I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen to me or what life was going to look like. And having had to drop out, out of school because we have any money, having to lose our, our, our mother at a young age, having to relocate to various, uh, various countries at a young age as well. So I would tell my younger self definitely to just relax and breathe and just know that everything's going to be, it's going to be okay. Hmm, you're making me relax. I like that. That's, <laughs> you know, listen, I have never ex- experienced anything like this at all, at all. Hmm. I can say, and in no way is this related or relatable or whatever, but here it is. Right after we had the derecho, remember all of that, yeah. that was bad. And we didn't have power for a week in our house afterwards. Oh, yes, yes. And I started to understand what it's like when you are anxious about something that, mm-hmm. up, you know, a few days ago, you took for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have this, this would be your lunch, this would be your mm-hmm. breakfast, whatever. And now all of a sudden, something that was so taken for granted is just not there. So mm-hmm. power wasn't there, fridge wasn't there, all of that. And honestly, that is what took my em- like my emotions and my brain was concentrating so much on what am I going to have for dinner? Mm-hmm. What am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. And it, it was so out of control. And mm-hmm. I, I realized at that time that, A, I take everything for granted, but mm-hmm. I knew that already. I, mm-hmm. I, and I don't really because I'm so grateful for everything. Mm-hmm. But I never realized this could be so, I don't want to use the word traumatic, Camille, because it was a week without power. Come on. <laughs> when, you know, when you're so yeah. used to stuff, it, it really throws you off. Yeah. And so I honestly can't even imagine having to go through or having gone through what you have gone through. And I think that telling that to your younger self to just breathe and relax and that everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm is very comforting. Oh. I like that. Thank you. So, final question, mm-hmm. but you know, I could I I'd love to to sit and talk with you for a long time. Sure. What is your favorite quote or motivational words? I, I think it's one that goes like when people show you who they are, believe them. <laughs> the first time I heard it from Oprah and that stuck in my mind. <laughs> I think that that would be my favorite quote um of all time when people show you who they are yeah believe them believe them yeah Mm -hmm. wow i don't even know how to end this because a i think you're just lovely and so i'm just gonna say that that we were able to work together oh yes (laughs) that was a joy of working with you uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, always positive and just like we 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 had so much to learn from you and i feel like even now uh we just we don't work together but i'm still always learning from you and thank you so much for uh giving me this platform to actually share myself for the first time and uh it was a challenge for me to to actually just to to know how to say this using words (laughs) but thank you so much for 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 this opportunity to share my story and to have discussion with you as well well thank you and i'm honored i'm really honored is there anything that you want to talk about about burundi we want is there any words that you want to talk 
and kind of let people know a little bit more about it. Now's your time, man. We are here in Ottawa trying to em empower our community, uh, Bundan community here. The family keep uh, keeps growing <laughs> and uh, we, are, we would like to work with you if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you happen to be in, in, in the field of social services, please reach out to us, bundiwant.org or at info at burundiwewant.org. Thank you. Well done. Would you ever do Burundi We Want in Toronto? Yes, yes. We're actually planning on expanding. Uh, do maybe like Toronto, Montreal, and any other uh, major city that has uh, a, uh, a big uh, Bundian population. I'm so happy. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm literally smiling. Like I'm, Thank you. That Me is too. fantastic. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. And it's yeah it's to be just... honest my biggest fear was to just get here and just talk and not be able to say anything but it's, it's going well and thank you so much for the, for making me uh feel comfortable good i'm glad i'm really glad you are such a lovely person and i thank you so much for for sharing your story and for making people realize the people behind the stories you know mm, thank you so much thank you All right, mister. You take good care of yourself, okay? Oh, thank you so much. Camille, thank you for sharing your incredibly moving story with us on the playground today. So as we learned, Camille was born in Burundi, and after a stint in France, he returned to the Burundi where his father fought against the rebel group and was imprisoned and tortured When the rebel group took power, they took revenge on those who had fought against them. Camille, his mom, and his siblings fled to Kenya as refugees. His mom fell sick, and while they were trying to leave Kenya to get to the U.S., their mom was fighting for her life. The American officials denied their claim. Afterwards, the boys had to start the entire process over again. What they were originally told was going to take two weeks was now taking significantly longer. They had friends in Ottawa, and even though they knew it was the coldest place in the world, they wanted to give it a try. After they came to Canada, Camille enrolled in a French high school and was overwhelmed by the options he had after he graduated. When he was younger, he wanted to be a journalist. He had a passion for telling stories. He graduated from the University of Ottawa with a degree in social sciences and a desire to be the change he wished to see in the world. He created Burundi We Want, and as it says on their website, was inspired by the theme, The Africa We Want, of the 2014 African Development Bank annual meeting, which reflected a vision for Africa based on the aspirations of African countries and their people in 2063. Burundi We Want wants to be an international movement of Burundian youth aware that the future of their country lies in their hands. His next step is to branch out to bigger Canadian metropolitan cities like Toronto and Montreal. Eventually, he would like to work and live back in Africa, at least during our freezing cold winters. His favorite quote, when someone shows you who they are, believe them and believe me. Camille is a caring, kind, thoughtful, warm, and committed person, dedicated to making the world a better place, and focused on welcoming and supporting the Burundian community reach their potential as they make Ottawa their new home. A big, huge thanks to Camille for sharing his story 
and shining a spotlight on the very human reality that so many refugees are facing in our world today. Please join me and my fabulous mystery guest on the playground next week for another insightful career chat. Remember to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001 and please check out the wonderful rescue organization Pause Across the Water to learn more about sweet Chencha and their other adorable adoptables. Thank you so much for spending your time with me on the playground. And until next time, please be good to yourself, your community, the animals, and the world. Looking forward to seeing you next week when we will jump into the future together. 